Today on Oski Talk, we talk about the demands made by the Big Ten and the Pac-12 regarding the football season. We get into Io DeSumo and Luca Garza deciding to return for another year of basketball. And we talk about the IHSA's decisions regarding sports this year. And we finish up with an interview with Michael O'Brien about high school sports. Let's go. This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. McCourt for the win. In the air. It is up. And it is good. Fourth and 16. Pressure comes. And Matt Orbebe with the ball in the air. Makes the catch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Oski Talk. My name is Anthony Pasquale with Patrick Catazone and Mariah Guzman. A lot to talk about today, but thank you guys for joining me today. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here, and uh, I'm glad Mariah can be on for another episode. Big day for Illini, um, you know, beat reporters. So, Mariah, I'm sure you're exhausted. I am so tired. That's an understatement, but you know, um, I feel like Either all the news happens or none of the news happens, and that's just how it goes. So, Yeah, well, since Mariah needs to get to bed, let's get right into our new segment called Front Page, where we will be going through some headlines from the week in Illini sports. Here's Front Page. Headline number one is the demands made by both the Big Ten and the Pac-12 conferences by their athletes for just protocols that they want for this season Obviously, they don't have a union, so th- these are types of things that I didn't necessarily expect that I'm very glad the players did. Yeah, the Big Ten um, decided to release their unity proposal as well. After the Pac-12 released their unity proposal, um, I'd say about a week week later, um, Pac-12 or Big Ten does it after the Pac-12, also does it in the Players' Tribune. Um, both are looking out to protecting athletes during COVID. Pac-12 went a little bit farther um, and and went more into the rights and, and compensation as well. Big Ten really didn't do that. Um, they talk a little bit more about COVID, you know, oversight, transparency, um, what what their day-to-day life was going to be, assurance that they'll be, you know, supported if they do get COVID, if, you know, their medical expenses will get paid. A lot of it is in there. I think this was a great proposal from the Big Ten. I felt like it was a, more realistic than the Pac-12, not that the Pac-12 demands weren't um, also valid. I think the Pac-12 hit it right on the bone. But this, the Big Ten focused on COVID. They didn't focus on any other issues really in, in the Big Ten um, or in college football as a whole. They just want to make sure that they're safe while they're playing this year. Yeah, one of the bigger – I mean, there were a few points in the Big Ten – um, demands that I saw, um, and a lot of them very much related to things that I heard from players today, um, who were able to talk after training camp week one went underway. So some of the things that I noticed that were, I mean, nothing even money related, but it was penalties for non-compliance. And then, um, if there was uh there was a whistleblowers clause in there so if some another player saw something 
that if they told somebody else, they wouldn't be penalized for it. And I think those are two very interesting things because from what I was hearing in conferences today was that older players are a little bit more worried about the younger players not taking it super seriously. And they're thinking, oh, well, you know, I'm a freshman, I'm a sophomore, I still have a couple more seasons left, not a big deal. And the seniors obviously have a lot more at risk, a lot more at stake. So I think that that was something really important to just add in there because, I mean, overall, they're going to look out for their team. They want the best for their teammates. And it's not even just about having a season. It's about being safe. I mean, me, you, and Anthony would want the best for each other, right, as friends. So why wouldn't teammates want the best for each other for their health and for the future of their season. So I think those are important clauses to add. And just the, I mean, the small money aspect of it, I mean, of course, but um, they wanted to erase the, oh, no COVID-19 liability waivers. They wanted to cross those out, which was honestly key because then that related to having them cover any money costs that had to do with hospitals um, saying that if they got COVID-19 and it led to something that would be so extreme to where they would need to go in a hospital, that their fees would be covered. So I think that that was honestly solid work by them. I mean, much more extensive than that, but those are just some things that really stuck out to me. And I think it it's all right for them. I mean, you see professional athletes opting out of seasons and they're still getting paid. And these athletes are it's really high risk and I don't know how much reward. So. Yeah. I mean, for me, the thing that, that I continue to think about is all these professional sports having a open negotiation between players and league to determine how we're going to play our sport during a pandemic because it's never been done before. And so when you get to the college sports, it's a little bit more complicated because these athletes don't always have that representation that, leagues do and I mean my head always goes to baseball because that's my main focus typically and the sport was delayed weeks upon weeks arguing about not only finances which took up most of it but also protocols that need to be put in place whether they'd be getting paid for opting out and whether opting out's allowed and all of that stuff and so you get to college and obviously the money isn't the same um, as big of a discussion but just the fact that these players need a say the decisions can't only be made by the people that aren't putting themselves at risk through this that's why i think the demands made by both the pac-12 and the big 10 were both a big step in the right direction yeah and the stipend payments are the reimbursements that they asked for because of you know shortened stipend payments or room and board costs things like that i really don't think any of it was out of pocket and it's just reiterating how much risk are they taking for little to no reward? And they're putting their lives at stake. And I mean, yes, they are. And I mean, for Illinois specifically, they are getting tested seven days a week, which is great for them. But not every Big Ten school is doing that. And not and the Big Ten doesn't require seven days a week testing. So Illinois protocols are very much top tier right now. And I haven't done much research into how much testing daily is going on with other Big Ten school football programs. But I mean, I just, it all goes to say that nothing is out of pocket. And I think, I, I think they sh- very well should be listing out demands and be 
you know, running to secure their safety and their well-being for themselves and their families. Yeah, I I agree with, I would say, 95% of, of the proposal. Um, I have two issues with it, and I'll start with the bigger issue, and it's the liability clause. I actually, uh, liability waivers, I should say. Um, no athlete should have to cover their medical expenses if they do get COVID. I think the university should do that, and I think that under the hazard-related economic support part to that their proposal um, covers that. I don't think that they should, you know, they should be fully covered by the university if anything were to happen to them. The problem is players might potentially, if they play, sue the university, which could have large ramifications to college football as a whole. So I just don't think that if I'm a university, it makes sense for me to lose millions and millions of dollars um, on a class action lawsuit if a bunch of players get sick and they know the risks and you're still willing to cover their medical expenses. Like, I, they're, still, they're still, you know, that liability part of it, I, you know, I think by giving them, telling them, hey, you can do what you want, but don't sue the university, I think that's important. The other thing I will say too, um, in the testing part of it, they want third third party testing. I actually think that is is counterproductive in Champagne because the the new testing that that we have in Champagne, the, the saliva test, um, as well as students getting you know two tests a week, is is huge for us. I think it's actually Champagne might be one of the safest places in America um, in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. Here's hoping, like I said. Um, I think that, that that testing protocol and the protocols that they have at University of Illinois are top of the line. That if they do third-party person, and the way that Illinois might be able to get out of it is that they'll they'll say that it was um, Champaign-Urbana Community Health administering the, the test, not the University of Illinois. But the University of Illinois actually has done a great job of testing, creating testing, and contact tracing. I think that that might be counterproductive for Illinois. Right, and um, I was interested in that, and just looking up numbers, I went to see, because also Lovey Smith made it a point to say that he thinks that Champagne is also one of the best places to be right now for his players, and so of course the reporter in me is like, okay, well how safe is it really to be in Champagne? So I did... As of today, August 6th for Champaign County, so there's a confirmed total of 1,574 cases, and there, um, 1,371 of those fully recovered, 184 are still active, and then 19 of the, those did um, result in death. So I think those are pretty good and not so high numbers compared to Cook County or Will County um, where you see those numbers way up higher. So, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree that there is a safer place to be because, I mean, this is still a very populated county and with people coming back, there's, you know, and students coming back, there's a lot more to say on that. But like you said, with students and employees any kind of faculty and staff that are going to be on campus. So even for me as a grad student, I'm one of the ones that has to get tested two times a week. So I think that you're right as far to say as Champagne is probably taking it the best. But um, 
who knows because uh, the saliva test, I'm not really sure how that's regulated. And um, I don't know. I think that there's um, something to be said too for the test being administered. And that's a different topic that we can talk about another day, but yeah, and I think another thing that's been really interesting, and, and you kind of touched on it too, Mariah, is the fact that Illinois seems to be farther ahead than any other Big Ten school in, in their planning for this. And I even think it goes back to their plan to return athletes to campus. They were one of the first schools to, to get that rolling, you know, a few athletes day by day until you ended up with the whole team there working out and different protocols in the weight room and all that type of thing. So it really seems like Josh Whitman and Illinois are on top of everything and kind of setting the tone for the rest of the Big Ten to follow and turn this into a, a foolproof plan. Yeah, and to to further my point too, I, I should really say I probably only agree with 80% of it. I think part of as well as, as, as the plan, which I think is great from the University of Illinois, um, I think players are going to be as safe as they possibly can be. The only thing I felt that was missing too um, was they didn't really mention, you know, players' rights and compensation. I wish that was the thing they added to the end of it. What's great about right now is that players are 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 really fighting for their rights and they should be compensated if you know they are are playing during COVID nineteen because frankly, you know they're they're risking their lives to play. There's large risk with it, and they should be comp- frankly compensated for taking on that risk. Right. I I mean, and it also goes back to when Milo Eifler went on Twitter and on his rant about safety for the team. And then you saw him kind of backtrack his statement a few hours later and say, no, it doesn't have anything to do with them. It's just, I want to make sure that this is okay. And so it kind of makes you question like what's going on. And I know Lovey Smith did mention today that oh, he does feel that, you know, Illinois football is in some kind of bubble, which uh, to some certain extent, yes, they are. But, I mean, it's no NBA tight-knit bubble, you know. There is no idea of what is going on with players once they leave unless there, you know, are other players that are being outspoken about it. So, and I mean, with Illinois, we've got how many players that they have? It was uh, I think 17, almost, I think. It was like 18 or something. And then, mm-hmm. and I know 12 of them, when they came back for practices in June, they had tested positive. So that was another point was that they had brought that from somewhere else. And of course, we have a lot of out-of-state guys, plenty of guys from Florida, plenty of guys from California where you see the numbers have been um, ridiculously high. And so Texas. There is something, yeah, in Texas. So there's something to be set for that in those areas so I mean yeah there is a certain safety um, measure when it comes to being in a smaller county and even just being in Champaign and um, being a little bit more regulated and tested and I think that they're probably never around or they wouldn't have been around anybody who was tested as much as their own teammates so there is something to be said for that and um, and of course that's just in regards to Illinois football, again, we have no idea what's going on with the other Big Ten teams. Like, we saw Northwestern stop practices after just one case, and we had so much more than that. So there's just a lot going on, and we only have so much that we could say about it. 
and and you even mentioned Raya the the Milo Eifler thing. Let's not forget that about twenty minutes after he tweeted that he was supposed to meet the media, and all of a sudden that got canceled and pushed back for a few hours. We can only imagine what he could have possibly been told or or told not to say, but. I mean, kudos to him for speaking out and kudos to now the Big Ten as a whole for saying we need a little bit of, of some support in this situation because, I mean, it's a team effort, but we're the ones putting our lives on the line here. We're the ones putting our bodies on the line. We're the ones potentially getting exposed to this virus. So they they definitely need a little bit more of a say than they've had in the past, and it seems like they're taking that step. And moving right along here to our second headline little bit shifting gears from football to basketball. Last week we talked about Ayo DeSumo and Kofi Coburn announcing their plans to return to campus and play another year of basketball, jumping Illinois from outside of the top 25 to 7th. Another team in the top 5 got a little bit of some help. Luca Garza from Iowa announced that he's coming back. Almost a domino effect after Ayo and Kofi, so he'll be back What's your guys' take on that, and how does that bolster the Illinois-Iowa rivalry? First of all, um, what do we think about that timing, and was that like a total snub to Iowa and Kofi's announcement? (laughs) I don't think it was a snub. I almost thought he was operating like, I don't need to come back if these guys are going. Oh, they're coming back. I need to come back. That's how I saw it. Yeah, I think, um, you know what? It's fine. He followed... He followed the great theme oh, yeah. of players coming back. So, I mean, obviously you're just adding to the Big Ten. And uh, I'm here for the competition. You know what? I'm fine with it. Oh, I want to see it happen. So congratulations on him deciding to come back. <laughs> Let, let's not forget that if he didn't come back, his career ends with Kofi Coburn stuffing him in Illinois walking <laughs> off. That's that's the that's his last moment of basketball right there. And if he doesn't come back, Iowa doesn't stand a shot against his team in my opinion. So I think it just, it fuels up the rivalry for and sure. And also the sorry, but like the whole thing of oh, the Big 10 runs through Iowa. What is that? What is that? Yeah, I said the same thing. So they didn't even win it last year. So technically it runs through Madison, but no. And Illinois looks like Illinois or Michigan State look like the best teams right now. So to say it runs through Iowa City is a slap to the guys in Champaign for sure. It runs through all of Michigan, in my opinion. But I just want to mention this, too. Probably. Um, How lame was it that Iowa basically used, like, the same, like, press release that University of Illinois did, the I'm coming back. It was so lame. Yeah, and, like, what, what, are we for real? Like, we've we been there, done that, <laughs> we're over it. <laughs> yeah, Iowa Twitter did a bad I job. Think it's, uh, I think it's safe to say Iowa is Illinois basketball's little brother yes, right I now. Yes, I love that. <laughs> and we're, we're going to keep that, we're going to pound that um, for as long as it's true. So, I, I mean, aside from that, though, it really does make for a very interesting Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, the two, the two big guys, Kofi and Luka, going at it again, hopefully for two games again this year. Um, that's exciting, exciting basketball. And, and now there's potentially Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan State, and Illinois being top 10 teams. You, you couldn't ask for any, you know, any, any better in the Big Ten. This is, this is going to be one of the most excellent years of 
Big Ten basketball that you'll see in a long time. We saw excellent basketball last year. I think this will just be a continuation, maybe even a little bit better, because the talent will be either the same in, in Luca Garza's you know case, or a little bit better in Io Io and uh, Io and Kofi's uh, instance. Yeah, and I he's it. You can't forget, and I, I don't mean to just step on Luca. He's a really great player. He won Big Ten Player of the Year last year. So I ask you guys. Do you think he wins it twice in a row? Is it a guy from Illinois that takes it? Who? What do you guys think for Big Ten Player of the Year? Without getting into it too much. Io. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're all going to say Io. Well, I mean, and, the man is, is, that, like, is potentially one of the greatest Illini of all time. Yes, I mean, and is it really biased? I don't, because I know plenty of people that know nothing or have no affiliation to Illinois basketball or University of Illinois, period, and they know Io's name, you know? So I don't mm-hmm. I don't think that that's, like, a simp behavior of us to be, like, we no. think that it's I mean, Io. Io and Luca are probably chalk picks right now. I think they both have a really good shot. Luca's probably the chalk pick because he won it last year, but definitely don't sleep on, on Io, for sure. I think Luca will probably win player of the year. In college basketball, if I'm being honest, but you know, I think there is hey, a little not, bit of a... not if he plays us twice, man. Yeah, that's know. true. That's true. I mean, if there weren't an <laughs> Obi Toppin in in college basketball, he probably would have won it last year. Um, with that being said, I, there's a distinction between Big Ten Player of the Year and and Player of the Year. I mean, um, I think there there can be a Big Ten Player of the Year that you just say in the Big Ten play was better, but all around, you know, non-conference and conference, another player can be better. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting. We're going to move right along to our third headline, which is talking about IHSA and their plans for sports this year. Kind of bumming news when I when I read it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a mess, to say the very least. It, you know, we talk about how the NBA could put themselves in a bubble and then – you know, how the NHL has now successfully put themselves in a bubble and they're going to have their playoffs. But when you go down the level of talent and, and the level of play, now you're looking at the you know minor leagues and college level, much more difficult, very much, a lot more difficult than, you know, putting the MLB or not the MLB because they're not doing it, the NBA or the NHL professional athletes who are getting paid millions of dollars in a bubble than it is playing student athletes and minor league players, right? Um so now you go even lower and you go in the high school level. How do you keep those kids safe when they have to go home and they actually have to go to school, right? It, you have to move it to spring. And let's be honest, if it's not looking good in spring, they're not going to play in the spring either. It's very difficult this year. It's, it's going to be touch and go all year round, um, much like college football will probably end up being. But I, I really don't even see them having football at all this year. Yeah, there's right. no way. And, Pat, for those of our listeners that don't know exactly what the IHSA decided, could you give, give us a brief rundown of their plans for this year? Yeah, so fall sports are going to be moved to the spring. Um, which Except is, golf, right? Golf is yeah. still happening think, in the fall. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Um, but the you know the major sports, some of the Olympic sports and football are going to be moved to spring. Um, this Hopefully, winter sports will happen on time. Play basketball, winter. yeah, basketball hasn't been moved yet. They're gonna probably mm-hmm. release that 
you know, we talked with Michael O'Brien, you'll hear that next. Probably in a month, September, they'll be able to tell what they can do by November. Um, but it, it's not really looking good for basketball. And, and the bigger issue, too, is now you're stacking sports. Right. So That's what I was going to say. I've heard that um, I was talking to a buddy of mine who plays both golf and baseball in high school. Um, the baseball teams are made up of mostly football players. So if those are stacked, you know kids are going to play football. And, I mean, this is a, a whole nother podcast, but that could continue to kill the game of baseball at a youth level, A. And, B, they might have to push baseball back into the summer, which is just – and some other spring sports, like, you know, your tennis, your volleyball, all of them. And playing in the summer is even as much of a mess as this entire thing. So it's it's definitely going to be difficult to navigate, but at least they are prioritizing student safety. Yeah. Uh, also, like, what happens for the seniors – if, you know, I mean, seasons can't get pushed back into the summer for them if they're headed to college sports. Um, so right. that I know that's a whole thing. And also just for seniors whose um, sports specifically rely on their improvement during their senior season, obviously affects them a lot when it comes to college recruiting. And I know that how you said, like crossovers between sports. So um I know that there's discussion about that. And I think from what I've seen, it depends on district and it'll allow them to cross over or not. But that's an entirely different discussion depending on district and not specifically IHSA. It's very wishy-washy. So it's kind of hard to understand. Yeah, and and Mariah, you mentioned a good point. How are we going to have graduated seniors play summer right before they're about to go to college and play sports but then my thought was so these guys aren't going to have a junior season and they're not going to have a senior season yep. so how are colleges going to scout based off of sophomore seasons these guys probably haven't even started working out yet i have answers to all these questions <laughs> first theorem. let me talk about baseball because baseball is very interesting that is probably the the largest group of upset people is the baseball community because yeah, that that's me. Sen- That's why I'm mad. Same. Yeah, the summer senior thing is actually a very serious thing. That the seniors who would have played their their spring season, final season of, of high school baseball, um, will probably not be playing at all because that will likely get moved to summer. That is the what we're getting the indication from IHSA is that that's very very likely. Um, the other thing, recruiting seven on seven is is probably going to be a go. Um, you're absolutely hundred percent correct about districts, um, Peoria from what I've learned, is a disaster. So the western side of Illinois is going to have some some trouble playing football this year. Um, the one league, and you'll be happy to hear this, Anthony, football-wise that might be playing is the Catholic League in Chicago because Chicago has handled the virus very, very well um, in the state, and they've had good you know quarantine and, and, and bubble um, protocols. So you know teams like Brother Rice – um, Naz, I'll throw in St. Pat's for you. Um, may actually <laughs> well, might be playing. We're, we're, e- we're ESCC. Is that part of it too, or just the CCL? Maybe it's the CCL. Um, it, it definitely is the CCL. My bad. I know St. Pat's was, wasn't in it, but the, that league so is. So C- CCL's the, the brother rice, the Reed, uh, yeah. um, Mount is, Carmel, you know, those schools. Yeah. They'll play. Is Naz even okay. in that? I don't even know. No, Naz is us. They're is in ESCC. ESCC. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, so you all guys also might play, but suburbs are going to have a much more difficult time 
scheduling, which was why right. I think I, you could lump Naz in there and St. Pat's because St. Pat's obviously in the city and, and Naz um, in LaGrange Park probably can, can do enough protocols to play. But those are actually the leagues that they think will play. So that that is interesting. And, and as far as recruiting, it'll be camps, frankly. Um, kids will have to go to go to the camps and they'll have to quarantine probably before it and get tested before it. Um, and they'll be let in and, and they'll play seven on seven and do some drills. And that's where most of recruiting will probably come from um, in the uh, in the upcoming years. Well, thank you, Pat, for having all the answers. And another guy who has a lot of answers about this stuff is Mike O'Brien. Pat, you got a chance to sit down with him. Here's that interview right now. This week on Aussie Talk, we're joined by Chicago Sun-Times high school editor, Michael O'Brien. Michael, thanks for uh, coming on the uh, podcast. Yeah, no problem. Good to uh, be talking some sort of sports. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been an interesting week. Obviously, um, this week they announced that football, IHSA uh, football, will be moved to a spring sport. First, I kind of want to get your thoughts on, on that decision from IHSA. I mean, I'm not sure they had any other choice with the way the governor, you know, kind of laid things out. Even if they wanted to try, they couldn't. Um, so it was pretty much cancel it or postpone it, and they chose postpone it. Um, I got to admit, though, February foot high school football sounds kind of horrible, <laughs> just based on the weather. Um, that could be a little rough. Uh, that's when it's kind of supposed to get started. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things go and if we actually get to that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about the southern part of Illinois, but sh- surely the Chicagoland area, it's going to be, I mean, snowy and, and not ideal. No, it'll be horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the end of the last couple games of the season are horrible in November, um, but we just kind of get a little taste of it. But yeah, February could be, could be pretty rough. And now that it is it is postponed, do you still see it, it happening, even even? you know, come spring, do you think, still think it's, it's viable to have players play football this year? I don't think there's any way to know. I mean, the way things are going now, even making any predictions about a month from now seems foolish. Um, so yeah, I have absolutely no idea if we'll ever get to that point this season, this year, how that'll go. I mean, even guessing about it seems kind of ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to kind of ask you a little bit about this too. Um, recruiting-wise, some of these players not getting the opportunity, do you think things like high school camps will be a little bit more important in this like recruiting um, stage for a lot of these senior guys? Well, I guess we're going to have to wait and see like what the NCAA does you know, about the recruiting calendar because we've been in a dead period, I know. Um, I don't know when or if that's ending or what's going on with that. I, one of the um, – in the governor's um, plan, he does mention seven-on-sevens. They'll be able to do those much earlier than they'll be able to play football. So that's something we could see um, definitely pop up and definitely have a big impact on recruiting if the coaches are allowed to you know, check that stuff out. At the very least, you know, the recruiting writers will be at those things. You know, and so some kids will break out and that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see when that kind of starts happening. Um, and the impact that has. Um, the other thing we learned was yesterday, uh, Peoria area reporter um, learned the IHSA apparently is going to allow students to transfer right. to, to play football. 
So that could be interesting where, I mean, if you're a senior in Iowa or Wisconsin or Indiana and you don't have the offers you want, maybe you try to come here in the spring and play. Um, which I, and now it sounds like they might look at that on a case-by-case basis. I don't know. I mean, we were kind of focused on, we're about to put a story up now about all the kids we're losing, all the students that are transferring away. But it's inter- interesting to think that maybe some could come here as well. Yeah, I was just curious about that, that too. Um, do you think that'll create, I mean, you know, I just say football, there's there's some disparity between the, the schools that can recruit guys and, and some of the public schools. Do you think that'll, you know, maybe make that worse? We see another Nazareth championship or something like that? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Nazareth's taken a real hit. <laughs> They've lost a lot, right? three players at this point, um, maybe four. So it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, replace that. I mean, I don't know that, you know, I think one thing I, I am kind of sure of is even if we do get to play, it sounds like the possibilities of any kind of state championship are really remote simply because of the limits on gathering sizes. And we have to get up a couple levels even to play in the outside your local area. You know, so that kind of really ruins any state series in any sport that anybody might try. I'm guessing best case scenario for all the sports this year is you get to play a handful of local games and that's about it. Yeah, so do you see kind of, you know, schools playing just their conference and not playing, you know, going a little bit outside their conference or um, even playing in those playoff games? You don't think that's going to be possible in the spring? No, I mean, unless things, there's a vaccine and everything, you know, gets way better perhaps, but even kind of conference thing might be pushing it. You know, the Catholic League's a huge con. It's not. It's not conference. Right. It's going to be local. You know, you're going to have to play teams that are close to you. Um, maybe even regardless of size. You know, especially in football, that's a bit of an issue. Um, you know, eight A seven eight A schools aren't super close to one another simply because they're big high schools. Um, so that would be interesting to see how that works out. And you know, the other thing is, if any of this changes, you know, what three days ago we didn't know these rules are going to exist, you know, that the governor had. So who knows in a month if they get more strict or they change. We just, it's just a huge bundle of unknown at this point, I think. And kind of switching over sports, I want to talk a little bit about basketball. Yeah. How, how realistic do you think that is to start in winter, November 16th? Even Craig Anderson on the call with the media said that that's extremely unlikely. Um, he thinks that it's going to be more early to mid-December, um, if they're lucky. I guess based on whatever benchmarks they have to meet to be able to do that. And I think that's what, there's kind of a big uproar. The spring sports are all upset about the length of their season, which, I mean, it does look weird when you, like, lay it out that they have a shorter one, but it's pretty, I mean, I mentioned this on Twitter, it's pretty simple to understand why. Baseball and softball and a lot of those spring sports, they're, lowest, they're the lowest risk. So they're going to get to play their season most likely. And the football season and the basketball season in the fall, they're not as likely to play. And as Craig Anderson said, he's already knocked back a month, you know, four weeks from that start date. So they've given them a a larger window to maybe try and fit stuff in. So the IHSA is not trying to be unfair to any sports. They – 
I mean, it's kind of crazy the amount of effort they put into this. And Craig Anderson went on some tangent about golf versus this. And I mean, they're thinking about things that we haven't even, <laughs> the reason most people don't care about, you know, to try and make it fair. So I don't, but yeah, basketball, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it's upsetting to hear that. I mean, mid-December, I mean, the playoffs, as we said, are going to be difficult. And so much of the basketball season, the fun of it, is the tournaments, you know, the, the holiday tournaments, the teams from all over the state, state tournament, teams from all over the state. So it, it'll be kind of sad if we only get some local matchups. Yeah, absolutely. And and I want to, you know, ask you this this question as a guy who's you know, knows a, quite a bit about high school and, and how they manage it. Do you think it's going to be just that much harder, say, basketball gets pushed back, into the spring or summer, then you have football, basketball, you know, I'm sure you'll have wrestling, wrestling, soccer, you know, all those, you know, spring sports on top of the fall sports playing on it. I think it's going to be that much harder to manage for athletic directors and stuff like that. Yeah, it's going to be really difficult. And that's a good question. That's something that I don't think anybody really asked Craig Anderson. He did say their IHS is going to be very flexible. These dates are kind of just a guide. They're going to do what they can. They'd be willing to make the football season longer if they thought they could play some playoffs. They're open to kind of anything. But we did not – nobody asked when, like, if they have any idea when they would decide to cancel the season, you know, instead of just pushing it back. Because, yeah, it's impossible to keep pushing all of them back. You know, that's just not going to work. So I don't see any scenario in which – we're doing like a whole basketball season the same time as a whole football season. You know, maybe, you know, right now they overlap by like a week. So, I mean, maybe some tiny overlap I could see, but yeah, I can't imagine them, you know, postponing basketball to the point where they were doing it at the same time as football. That's just not feasible. Yeah. And, and kind of rounding out um, the interview, I just want to ask a little bit about like the CPS schools, because obviously Chicago is, is a little bit more of a dangerous area for coronavirus to spread than, you know, Peoria, Champaign, et cetera. Do you think that those schools, we might not even see, you know, Catholic League play this year, but we might see, you know, the West Suburban League play? Well, that's what's fascinating. That's changed. Chicago, the Chicago region has the, last I checked, the best numbers in the state. So it's actually more likely Peoria is a disaster area right now. Um, and they might be rolling back openings there. Um, so I don't know how that's going to stick or how that's going to hold. But at, at this point, if any region was going to be allowed to play football, it would be Chicago, um, which is not what anybody thought, you know, a couple months ago. So that's unique. However, we haven't heard a word from Chicago public schools on this. Um, I don't know what their feeling is on it. I don't know if, you know, they they haven't given the CPS schools as much of leeway even to practice at this point as the rest of the state had. So that's going to be interesting to see how they deal with it. There's a new sports director there. We don't really know anything, you know, about what he thinks. It's kind of tough getting any word of the CPS. They're focusing on, you know, school right now, you know, trying to figure that out. So I have no idea what's going to go on with CPS. I know a lot of the CPS coaches have been worried for a long time that how CPS is going to treat sports during this. Um, and I think that's definitely worth keeping an eye on for sure. It's something I'm going to be trying to learn more about over the next few weeks. Um, definitely the Catholic schools, they'll be a go, um, for sure. They already, you know, they've been holding camps and stuff. You know, I've seen those on, on Twitter, you know, even basketball camps with kids in masks. So I think that'll be a go for sure. But yeah, it's kind of weird. If you look at the numbers right now, I think the governor broke us down into what, 11 
or 12 areas or something. Yeah. And, and it's the Chicago area that was doing the best most recently. Yeah. Well, Michael, it was, it was great talking to you. We really appreciate you coming on uh, the uh, OSCE talk and, and giving us a little information about IHSA football this year. Yeah, no problem. Let's hope we've got some uh, college and high school yeah, I... basketball and football this season to entertain ourselves. Thanks to Mike for coming on the show. A lot of great stuff from him. And thank you all for listening. For Mariah Guzman and Patrick Catazon, I'm Anthony Pasquale. Stay tuned for Oski Talk on Monday. We've got a full football episode. You'll hear from Lovey Smith and some of the players. And we'll talk about the Big Ten's plans to play football in the fall. But for now, ILL. I and I.